This is Fishbowl Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Goen. With another episode of Fishbowl Effect, and I'm grateful that you're here, and I'm grateful that you're listening today. Hey, we're going to uh, get back on to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, where Paul tells Timothy, as he leaves him there, to be the pastor in a massively diverse in culture, in age, in ethnicity, in social, and economically, just everything. It'd be like planning a church in Washington, D.C. or some sort like that. Um, that's what Ephesus was, social hub of trade and economy. It was, it was great. It was a great city. One of the seven wonders of the world, the Temple of Diana, was there. With that being said, Timothy's pastoring there, and he tells Timothy to, to, to don't let anybody despise your youth, to look down upon you. You are young, Timothy, basically, and you are going to pastor this church, and there's going to be a lot of people who, who are older than you, or maybe they're around the same age, or maybe has been, quote-unquote, Christians longer than you have, but don't let anybody despise your youth. And, and then he says, but be thou an example. That word example is kind of where I'm getting this, well, not kind of, it is, the word picture of fishbowl. Uh, the word example means the rubric or or the the directions, if you may, the 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 example or the model or the pattern. Saying Timothy, be that son, and then he says of the believers. The phrase of the believers it means in the church. Notice it doesn't say to the believers, but of the believers. So he doesn't just want Timothy to be an example inside the church, but also to those outside the church. But yes, it does carry with it inside the church of the believers that he would be an example to the exemplars inside the church. Not prideful, but that he would strive to have a life that no one could look at and say, hmm, yeah, I don't want to live up to that or look like that or I'm proud that he's my pastor. So be an example, Timothy. And then he gives him six areas. So this week, this podcast, this episode number two, we're going to look at the very first area. And he says, be thou an example in word, in word. Now, now remember, fishbowl. When people are, when people look at a fish in a fishbowl, and some, most of the time it's as a pet, but if you go to the aquarium, if you go to these different, now obviously they're a w- way larger fishbowls, so to speak. Uh, but you can learn, you can observe these fish. I think about when I go to right now, I'm currently in Winnemucca, Nevada, and Reno's about two hours away. It's a place called Shields, and in Shields, on both entrances, they have these massive pillars and got go above your head with a saltwater fish. And I think one side, the other side is freshwater fish. And you can look at them, all different types of fish. And you can look at them and observe uh, how fish look, how they move, how they breathe, how they interact, and just all these different things. I like to say how they talk, but that's not really how that works. Um, but you can also observe their unpleasant trees at time. And I think you know what I mean. And so when, when Paul tells Timothy to be thou an example, t- Timothy, be an example, be, t- he's basically saying, Timothy, you, you are under the guns and you're under the spotlight. People are going to watch you. People are going to look at you. And, and so you need to be an example and the same thing with us. And so I say, what do people learn about Christ by observing you? Uh, me? Yes. I ask this of myself, but I also ask this to people. Hey, what do people learn about Christ by observing your life? Because our life should point people to Christ. We are to be visually the gospel. We are to give verbally the gospel. And we see this all over Romans chapter 10. How should they preach without a preacher? How should they preach except to be sent? Romans 10, 10, 9 and 10. 
It's vitally important. But Jesus does say in John 13, 35, he talks about that, how everyone will know that we're his disciples if we have love one for another. And that word love, it means how we serve, selfless, sacrificial, serving one another. And so the way that you live your life does paint a picture of Christ. And you don't, most, some people get upset, possibly may get upset when they hear fishbowl. I didn't ask to be in a fishbowl. Well, it, it's a privilege. I mean, think about it. The God of the universe sent his son to die for you. You have received him as your Lord and Savior, repented of your sins, received him by faith. And he takes you out of the, basically the murky, dark, gloomy sin waters. And he places you, he for a purpose to serve for him and to be on mission for him, to be an ambassador for him, as Paul tells the Corinth church. But then also, hey, I want you to mimic my life. I, I'm going to do it through you. Be, a, be, be a basically a piece of conduit for me to live through you. But I want people to look at you and see me. What a privilege that is. And I hope you see it that way. I really do. I, I hope you see being able to live on display for Christ as a privilege and not as a chore. With, with that being said, uh, be that example in word. This word word basically means the way that you talk, your speech. I love what Andrew Rogers said one time when he was preaching, but also in one of his books. And he was using an example of a red solo cup, but not, not the way that you or the world may be thinking. I don't mean you, but the way that we would hear red solo cup in our day and age and think, we're, we're talking about drinking. No, it's just a cup that you can't see through. And I mess up translucent and transparent, so I won't even go there. But a cup that you can't see through, and he's holding above his head, and he says, hey, I've already put liquid inside this. Tell me what's inside of there. And all you could do is give educated guesses. In fact, you don't, you don't even know if there's actually any liquid inside there, but, but, but you're guessing. And he says, here's one way that you can know for sure what's inside of my cup. Just come up to my arms and w- that I'm holding the cup in and just jostle it, wiggle my arm. Eventually, what's inside is going to come out. And that's the same thing when it comes to our language. And that's what he was trying to make the point of Adrian Rogers was, was what's, it, what's within. If you want to see what's inside of a Christian's life, you know, let the world push him around. Let the world jostle him around and you'll see what's really inside. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 15 when he was, when he was um, uh, his men, his disciples were, were, were combated against by the religious leaders for not washing their hands before they ate. And there was rules in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy and in, in Leviticus about washing hands, but not before every single little meal, before you went and plucked off a, an apple off the tree. What the religious leaders were saying, if you didn't wash your hands before, then you were in sin. And I think I, I like to give them at the beginning a benefit of the doubt back in the day when, when they started this because they wanted to uphold the law. And so they put these barriers around the law. But they started to worship the barriers as God-given law, and that's what was sinful because it was man-given. They had a right motive, I believe, but not down the road when it was not taught properly. And so they were holding these man-made laws up as if they were God's laws and holding them above people's heads. And so Jesus basically explains, and I paraphrase, but in Matthew 15, 17 through 20, he says, it's not what goes in a man's mouth that defiles a man. It's what already is within that comes out. And he was explaining to them because they were talking about how it was sinful not to wash their hands. He was showing them, guys, it's not a, that's not what defiles a man and makes him sinful. It's what's already within the, the inherited sin nature of Adam. 
That's what the files are meant. And that's what Adrian Rogers is basically getting at. And in fact, when I bring this kind of tie this back together with our words, what, how you talk, how you speak, the words you use, let me ask this. Do they point people to Christ? Do they point people to Christ? So the words in which you use. Now, sometimes people can get on your tone or get on you about the way that you may talk, or some people may get more uh, excited and and get loud. I, I'm one of those people that 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 I I have passion. I I have passion when I preach, but passion when I talk. And sometimes people can 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 um, maybe I can miscommunicate sometimes my passion, and people twist it possibly as as anger, and that's not the case. I. I, I, I use my hands a lot. I use, if you've ever watched me, I use facial expressions. I squint and all, and, and my tone gets louder. I, it's, it's, it's a personality trait of mine. Um, trust me, you can ask my family. They know what mad Justin looks like or sounds like. And that I would venture to say that they would say that that's never been the case behind counseling sessions or, or preaching or teaching sessions. But nonetheless, People will mess up some, uh, will, will accuse your tone of being that way. What I'm talking about here and what Paul is talking to Timothy about is the words in which you choose to use. Are they building up words? Are they edifying words? Are they tearing down words? But even go to the extent of saying, are they disgusting words, cuss words? And you may say, well, that's that, that this is being written for a pastor, Pastor Justin. It's in First Timothy, a pastoral epistle. And you're absolutely right. But did you know that Paul said this to the church as well? He said this to the church, and you may hear my, hear my Bible flipping here because I want to get it right, what I'm saying. But in Ephesians chapter number three, chapter four, rather, verse 29, Paul says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edification or edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so what he says, corrupt communication, meaning rotten or foul or bad language. He would even go further. And this is, there's other places as well, but for the sake of time, here's two good cross references. And then you can go and search some more out from there. But in chapter number three, verse, what is it? Verse, um, verse eight, chapter three of Colossians, verse eight, Paul says, but now ye also put all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. And then he says this filthy communication out of your mouth, put them away. Don't. And he's talking about mortifying the deeds of the members in verse five, putting away this, this old evil habits of the sin, put these away. And part of it saying filthy communication, meaning bad language, cursing, obscene, absurd, language. And it was others said as well in different areas about gesturing, these bad gesturing languages, meaning don't, 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 don't be joking around about sex stuff. Don't be utilizing bad languages. He says in the very next chapter, chapter four, uh, what is it? Verse, uh, verse six, he says, let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt, meaning get the best out of it. Get the best that you may know how you ought to answer. And these are just two passages, three passages rather, that he's writing to church. And so what Paul was saying to Timothy, but what also Paul in different, in different epistles is telling to the church at large is, hey, hey, the way that you talk, people are listening and watching. And this type of language is of the world, not of Christ. And we're of Christ. And so put those, put those words to death, put them away. Don't talk, don't use bad language. 
Before before I fully surrendered, I was saved, but I was living uh, in rebellion to God. And many people back on the, back in those days that know me that I maybe haven't seen in a while may possibly re- remember that guy when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I did not have good language. There was explicit words that I cuss words that I used. Not good building up edifying language. And I'm ashamed of it. But by God's grace, I knew I I didn't read these passages, but I knew something when God gripped my heart and he called me to repentance of the life I had been living. He placed upon my heart a couple things. Number one, that I had to quit drinking. And number two, because that was not Christ. And number two, the language I was using. And so I told God, I told Christ, take it away. This is not what Christ looked like. This is not what Christ sounded like. And I want to do the best that I can do for Christ, not to get to heaven, but to be the example for Christ. So please take the bad language out of my mouth. Take it away from my memory bank. I remember praying this. Can I say from 21 to I'm 35 right now that I've never used a cuss word? No, I cannot say that. I've stubbed my toe a few times on the bed and maybe something came out, but I can tell you this. I can count on two hands probably how many times in those years that that that, that had came out of my mouth. It was not, I could, back in that day, I could count on two hands in probably an hour. I'd probably lose over two hands. I'd have to start using toes to start counting. God took it away because it's not a characteristic of who he is. And so Paul was telling Timothy here, Timothy, they're watching you. Be an example with the wor- with, with the words. I, I guess you could say it this way. I forget who said it, but do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right? Seriously. What do people learn about Christ by the words that come out of your mouth? Are they Christ-centric? Are they loving? Are they building up? Are they encouraging? Are they tearing down? Are they nasty, filthy communication? I encourage you today. Christian listening, that you would go to Christ and ask Christ, Christ, please, if you struggle with this area, and there's five of the areas, every single one of us struggle with one or two of these areas, this may be your area. Okay, I don't, I'm not here trying to belittle you, but what I am saying is that the Bible is clear that 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 language should not be in a Christian's mouth. So ask Christ, repent of it today and say, Christ, I shouldn't be talking this way. I need you to take it out of my memory bank. Take it out of my language. I do not want to sound like the disgusting world. Take it away. Be thou an example of the believers in word. You are, Christian, in a fishbowl, and you are in a fishbowl effect, and the world is watching you. What are they learning about Christ as they observe your language? I hope this was an encouragement. Next episode will be, or next, yeah, next episode will be in the second, which is conversation. It sounds like the same thing, but it's two different words. So remember, the words build up, Christ-like words. This is Pastor Justin with Fishbowl Effect Podcast. God bless.